0: Have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know
1: you hear me. Hi, I'm Will Harridge and I'm an audio engineer. But you would not believe the amount of mediocre voice actors I get in on the daily. It's scary, honestly. I always want to recommend them to Elise Bowman, who's the best voice acting coach I know. But I'm always afraid I'm going to offend them and be out of a job. Thankfully, I send the best ones over to her anyway over at EliseCoaches.com, and they keep coming back. Hi, I'm one of the mediocre talents that Will has to work with, and really, I'm thinking about looking up Elise myself. Go look at Elise Coaches today and start your career without ending mine. What he said.
0: Coming to you from the heart of Music City in Nashville, Tennessee, straight out of the Flynn Hendricks Enterprises studios. This is the I Know You Hear Me podcast with Flynn Hendricks. And this week, he's got you another awesome guest on the line, so let's go ahead and kick it over to Flynn. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another awesome week here on the I Know You Hear Me podcast with none other than me, Flynn Hendricks. And I apologize if you hear any background noise right now. I got a couple kids that are fighting bedtime, so... We may have a little run-in here and there, but that's part of parenting, right? Anyway, we're back for another awesome week here on the show, and again, I've got to thank my sponsors, and I've got to thank all you listeners for tuning in and keeping this show going. Because I can't really express how fortunate I am to be able to have these conversations with my friends and to be able to share them with you guys. Like that's an awesome feeling for me. But for me to keep doing that, I got to ask a couple of favors here. If you could. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Share them with your family. Share them with your friends. Share them with anybody that'll listen. And then, if you'll find your preferred podcast platform, whether it's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, follow us on there. Get caught up in the archives if today's your first episode. Go back and listen to all of our awesome guests in Season 1 and more of our guests that's led into Season 2 and where we are right now. There's a lot to listen to and a lot to catch up on. And if you like that, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you think we've earned that, and make sure you're sharing it with your friends as well. Without further ado, man, I've got a guest that I am excited to bring to you guys here today. He's somebody that I met, God, it's crazy to say, almost a couple years ago in uh, one of my first voiceover workshops with Chris Rager in July of 2020. This guy has worn a lot of hats here. He's not only a voice actor. But he's been an ADR director, an ADR engineer. He's a line producer, and he's a full-time script writer and adapter for Funimation Entertainment. It is my pleasure to have on the show tonight, Tyler Walker. Tyler, how are you, man?
2: I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. It's oh, a pleasure to be here.
0: Dude, it's my pleasure, and just thank you for uh, you know keeping t- in touch with me after that workshop. And I, like I said, yeah. it's crazy to think that was two years ago now.
2: Yeah, July 2020, in the early... Ish days of the uh, of the big uh, stay home
3: yeah. pandemic, or
0: Back and that when was
2: uh, one of like the first one of the first classes I remember doing uh, on absolutely Zoom like that,
0: and that was uh man I got to be honest like like I said I was so fresh into everything then technically I still am but like that was a who's who of the guests that Chris had in there and it's like Sean Schimmel, Bob Carter Tyler Walker and it's like thanks to you we got to. Do our first little uh anime scene in there as well, and like we got to see how the engineers work and how ADR works and everything too. So we kind of yeah. got our sprinkling to how everything went there, and you know, the patience and everything that you showed with all of us newbies was awesome. So thank you again for that too.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's one of the things that I've always I don't know, I've always enjoyed about um, about that gig that I had. You know, I was mm-hmm. a director for like I don't know, 13 14 years i've been uh in the in the biz uh with Funimation for uh, 19 years wow. uh coming up next month man that's impressive be, uh in the past when people listen to this but yeah uh, started in December of 2002 um, yeah it's uh but yeah it's been a long time it's been a wild ride and uh i don't know it was it, it's a good chance if you're a patient person it's it's good and you need that. And I always liked working with new people and bringing mm-hmm. people in for multitude of reasons. You know, one, um, just, you know, kind of sharing that uh, that novelty and that new experience is very exciting.
0: Absolutely. You know,
2: it's like, you know, you feel their energy, you know, and like you, uh, you know, and say if you work with an actor who's, you know, this is maybe their first gig or their first role or their first lead or whatever, they are so much more, they're invested in it, you know, like. It could be your only show. It could be their only show. It's on their mind. You're you've got like that real big uh, kind of emotional investment into it and that mental investment into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can also teach people to do things the way that you like to do them. Yeah, uh, they haven't had a chance to develop these bad habits or or stress responses from working with other directors mm-hmm. or you know what, whatever. You know, it's a new experience and there's a lot of kind of um, opportunity to. You know, come in and take somebody by the hand and you know, guide them through or you know, work with them. And yeah, and it's kind of a you know, constantly finding you know, the temperature of the room like what right. someone needs to thrive. Do they need, uh, you know, they need praise? Or do they need instruction? Mm-hmm. Uh, some people I found, and this is kind of with more seasoned actors, you just it's better if you just kind of let them do their thing and stay out of their way and make sure they don't run off the rails, you know,
0: absolutely. Uh,
2: but uh, working with new people—it's always been uh, one of my favorite things to do. And you know, uh, in a in a long career, I guess, which always sounds weird to think about it that way, it's it's cool to see people that you know you you know were there from the beginning, and you know now they're doing you know amazing things. They've moved on, or they're like you know they're they're being successful, and so. Uh, just to know that you're a part of that, you know, it's, it's a good, it's a good feeling to have. You get to kind of share in their successes to some degree, you know, I'm not responsible for it, you know, I don't take credit for it, but it's nice to know that you were part of, uh, what maybe gave them that initial push. Absolutely. uh, You know, being somebody that believes in somebody is kind of a, it's a, it's a powerful thing. Yes, sir. It is. So that's really what I liked about, uh directing uh besides being like a little bit of a control freak and Understandable. Being a, a kind of obsessive personality <laughs> right you know, right some shows that i did you know i was able to write the scripts and direct the episodes and so you know it's you're so wrapped up in it and so invested in it and uh yeah you've you've had a hand in plotting out the course and then sailing the ship and mm-hmm. then, you know whatever metaphor you want to do but uh it's you know, you can get really involved with it. It's a big payoff when it works out.
0: Absolutely. And like you said, the, it's easier for you to be invested in it too, because you've been so hands-on with so much of the experience and the journey there too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's not like, you know, everything we do, you know, we're, you know, I try to, I don't have to try too hard, but, you know, I keep in perspective that we're part of telling somebody else's story, right? You know, this isn't something that, You know, I created, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're helping someone. You're helping someone's vision reach either a wider or a new audience Mm -hmm. or you're a part of something uh, with people you may never meet. Sometimes you do get the chance to meet uh, people. I did get to meet the creator of fairy tale uh, in New York at our premiere. And I was very, uh, I was so nervous. I was like humbled by it, you know, and I, you know, it was like, very like uh almost in tears over it because i was like I would just want to do a good job you know like i wanted to make sure that that he knew that his show was in good hands because that was absolutely.
0: his absolutely i i understand yeah. that 100% i mean that's a that's a powerful emotion in itself that's really hard to describe in like one or two words because there's this entire emotional spectrum that goes along with that too
2: yeah yeah you're like somebody's like i don't know you're like midwifing their know yeah, their creation like yeah. the world. Know? and it, you can't do it alone, you know, unless you're like, you know, Chris Abbott on the early uh, Dragon Ball Z stuff, you know, yeah. so you're going to do everything and then like voice all the characters, you oh, know, like, yeah. you have to build a team, you have to, uh, you know, with a show like that, like a big show like that, like, you know, I had a strategy with how I was building my team with my, with my kind of tentpole people, mm-hmm. you know, the, the people who I had, you know, experience with and worked with. Uh, quite a bit as kind of the main people and then there was going to be all this large cast i didn't know it was going to end up being like 300 335 episodes wow i didn't know it was going to be like that but i knew it was going to be you know at least uh at least like a tenth of that which is still kind of like the biggest show i had done at that point
0: oh absolutely
2: you know so um, you know, and I had experience uh, you know, in some other shows before that, you know, kind of built relationships with people that I wanted to put in the cast and um you know, it was a good I don't know, it ended up being a good opportunity for a lot of people and like uh it brought a lot of people joy, which, you know, you do all this stuff, especially back in those days before we uh did, you know, the simuldub or the you know, where you you put something and you you put your episode together and then, you know, within the month say uh it's out there for public consumption yeah you know uh we would release these on dvd people would eventually see them you'd eventually hear something about them but that show in particular was uh really meant a lot to people like you know people you know i've had like waiters and waitresses like cry to me because like you know that show was part of like what helped them get through hard times and like there's, absolutely you know, or you get or you get um you know, letters from people that said, you know, when I felt like I was alone and had no one they realized that, you know, you can build your tribe, you can build your family, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, the, those kind of things. And it's kind of when you realize a, a bigger power of uh, storytelling or, you know, entertainment, storytelling in, in particular, because uh, that kind of, uh, you know, that emotional attachment that people get to it is real. Oh, yeah. And it's not funny or to be taken lightly. Sometimes it is funny because it's, if you're doing a comedy show. Oh, you of know, course, of like course. Yeah. You know, just like, sometimes you realize that, you know, it's not just some like cool gig that you managed to get, you know, it's like, yeah. you have a responsibility to the creator and you have a responsibility to your audience to, uh, you know, not talk down to them and, you know, make them feel something, you know, kind of, you're, you've got, you got a lot of kind of putty in your hands on that.
0: Mm-hmm. So in a in a situation like that, um, how do you, like, manage that pressure? How do you keep your eyes on the prize, so to speak, and not get overwhelmed by all those masters that you have to serve?
2: Um, and, you know, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> uh, that's, like, that's, you know, sometimes you figure out how to do that, and sometimes, like, you just kind of uh, get through it. You know, there was yep. a lot of times where, you know, I spent a lot of time Uh, a lot of emotional and time investment, uh, um, into this kind of escapist Mm
3: -hmm. medium
2: that I'm in, you know? Um, and there were months, there were months, maybe even years that like, that was what all my time was spent doing, directing during the week, writing during the weekend. Yep. And I think my balance, I know my balance was completely screwed. It was not, it was not uh, steady at all but you know i kind of did what i had to do we you know we hit we, you know there's a time in our life when uh when that's what needed to happen you know yeah and so i was very fortunate that i got to do that and uh that wasn't you know drilling holes or holes sheet metal or digging ditches or whatever you oh know? yeah it was in a very kind of cushy situation absolutely but still taxing
0: oh of course of course i mean everything like When you've got those responsibilities and you're having to put that much time into it, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, it definitely takes a toll on you
2: for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was times where I would, you know, direct Monday through Friday and then come home Friday night, start writing a script and then have it turned in by Sunday, Sunday morning, sometimes two scripts. but uh, It's
0: like college finals to the extreme.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd work like a, you know, just consistently get sixty plus hours every week. And
0: Absolutely.
2: I was lucky, you know, that I had the opportunity because we kind of needed that at the time. But um, right, so I'm not always doing that.
0: So tell me a little bit, like, let's back up past, like, just pe- even past the nineteen years. What originally drew a young Tyler into all this? Like, what drew you to voice acting, and then eventually to ADR directing and producing? Like what was it that like piqued your interest or was it something that just kind of like fell into your lap and you realized you had a passion for it?
2: Well, I mean, I would say the voice acting came last. Definitely. Although like I was always a, uh, you know, performer. I remember my first like stage experience was, you know, this is I'm an East Texas kid, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I was uh, writing, I was five years old and writing the uh, Miller Lite, bull in the rodeo around the ring you know oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> as a promotional for my parents store uh anyway so you yeah, know, that's my first like in front of a crowd like big crowd experience and I was in you know choir and I was in uh, you know drama club mm-hmm. and theater and band and yada yada and um always kind of a uh, performer in that way and then later you know in high school I was also in drama and in tech theater and I like the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in high school, I played drums in punk and metal bands nice. and stuff. Uh, you know, when I was 16, I had my first uh, live gig, you know, playing in a band. And, you know, I really enjoyed that. Although it was, like, the craziest show, like, I've ever played and probably will ever play. uh, I was in this death metal band, right? It was rough. Two of us were like 16, Mm -hmm. you know, young, dumb kids, barely could, I could barely make it through it, you know, just, uh, and and we kind of knew that we were going to have to make up for it in some way because it wasn't going to be our stunning talent. Right. 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 So we had friends dress up in costumes and we played this, uh, this, this big show called the St. Valentine's Day Massacre.
3: Oh, nice. And it was all
2: these metal and crusty bands and yada yada. I was wearing a hockey mask and like, you know, we had like our friends on stage and we'd found like a it was like we found like a chocolate heart in the street and like uh one of the guys went to uh taco bell before the uh for the show and bought like uh at the time you could buy like a 50 cent burrito right yeah so we bought like 20 dollars worth and oh, uh boy. just threw them into the audience where they just unraveled and it was just this <laughs> big chaos and people were trying to mosh and sliding on like these like you know waves of like beans and cheese and it was just total cacophony chaos you know we were terrible uh and my uh actually my my outfit for the uh for the night which was you know the hockey mask uh came in handy because somebody threw a rock directly at my head um anyway uh you know that was my introduction to like live live playing right and um and so it always played in bands and, uh, you know, been part of the, you know, like artistic music scene. Mm-hmm. whatever. when I came to college, it was, you know, it was more so I lived in the uh, kind of the music artsy dorm yeah. uh, where we didn't have AC at the time. Oh, so man. August in Texas, you know, you Ugh. go to sleep in a pool of your own sweat, wake up in a pool of your own sweat. You got it was it was nuts. But I met a lot of cool people there and kind of got introduced into like a new kind of artistic scene. Yeah um i met john bergmeyer actually oh you know, nice uh, at freshman orientation wow and i met chris abbott way back then uh and some other people uh that ended up you know ended up running back into uh later but you know a lot of people i met through like the the band's music scene or yeah playing gigs and stuff like that and uh um, i'd you know been interested in audio and um i had a i i had gone to school to study uh, broadcasting radio t v film mm-hmm. um and i'd gotten more- into, I'd, my two kind of focuses there were more like film study uh and like world cinema and you know just kind of your you know film critique kind of uh, yeah that kind of stuff and then like audio and i'd really like post production audio and um i did a couple of like student films and you know worked with the gear they had nice. it was all Kind of pre pro tools which you know is the industry standard because mm-hmm. um, this was back in the I graduated in ninety eight so this is like early 90s that I was in college um, and uh, just after that just kind of floated around for a while moved to la with my band and uh, we moved back because it just wasn't our uh, our scene, and uh, finally, I got a job in the industry after I moved back. My friend, uh, Matt, uh, worked for Funimation. He says, You know, you got a well, you're working on a sign shop, you got a film degree, you know, stuff you can do this, you know, Pro Tools, blah blah. Like, you know, come interview. I'll, you know, I can maybe set you up a, with an ADR engineer gig or production assistant or whatever, just to get your foot in the door, right? And so I went and talked to the, the guy in charge, I had an interview with him, and uh, you know, I think I mentioned, like, the right piece of gear to him. I was like, oh, yeah, I used a Roland uh, uh DA-88 in the and the 880. He's like, oh, wow, yeah, I love that. You know, he went on and on. And I didn't hear anything for, like, six to eight months. Oh, man. And then all of a sudden, I get called in, like, can you, you know, can you come in next week? And so I quit my job making signs and uh started Doing that. And uh, at first, I got to do a couple of sessions my first week there because, like, somebody I think Chris Bevins was gone and I was like filling in for him. Okay. Or he was moving to direct. Anyway, so I watched some sessions. I watched like uh, Laura Bailey and Eric Vale record Fruits Basket. And uh, the first person I think you you, uh, you mentioned her and, uh, or you know her. The uh, first person I, rec- I remember recording, or the uh, first person I recorded myself, was Elise. Oh Bowman.
0: yeah. One of our, one it's of our sponsors, here. my voice coach. Yeah. Great. Great chick.
2: Yeah. 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 She's real, she's real, uh, she's real cool. And you know, we, uh, she was, you know, of course very you know nice and easy to work with. Well, mm-hmm.
3: online,
2: very pleasant. Uh, so anyway, so I did that for like a week for like recording and then it's like, well, uh, so-and-so is back and, uh, we're gonna, you know, you're gonna have to go on to, uh, production assistance. And so they moved me to this closet, which was like a I don't know, like a three by four room, and I'm in there with a tape deck, a videotape deck, and a computer, and I'm like basically just pulling pops, clicks, that kind of sounds, yeah, like, you know, all that stuff uh, out of uh, out of people's uh, voices and like time stretching things and trying to make things fit and editing stuff, right, right. If they said the wrong pronunciation and Trying to find a, a, another word somewhere else that kind of fit the thing and splice it in. And um,
0: now was this all when it was back in the bank building? Yeah, back yeah. in the early two thousands.
2: Okay. So and Ooh. then I started working. Uh, and then I did that for like six months or whatever in that closet, uh, which was just kind of it was a very very strange experience because like <laughs> I didn't have any interaction with anyone. I didn't work with the actors. I didn't know like I could just hear them you know work with their voices and like you know really learn this like real meticulous type of editing uh and then i got moved to the booth and started working on case closed with uh mike mcfarland and uh colleen well i guess you know i guess i worked with her on full metal but anyway uh and just started engineering and did that for a couple years and um we had uh uh, you know, now and then something would come up, and I would, you know, any anything would come up. I would try to go for it, right? Absolutely. Because I wanted to. I didn't want to stay in the same position forever, right? Um, and I, you know, I, I thought I could probably, you know, you know, that that kind of Dylan Todd attitude, where you're like, uh, yeah, I can do that. You know, I can do you know a lot of things. You know, and so I can learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, watching people direct and learning what they did without, you know. What worked and what didn't, and what approaches seemed to get the most traction. And um, actually, at one point, I kind of had a little friction with one of the directors there, and uh, and that was kind of where like I had to prove my myself to where like you know we had this kind of conflict, and like Mm -hmm. I had to prove that I could you know do this thing that I said I could do, and um, lo and behold, one of our directors. uh, Gets a gig uh, playing keyboards for Ringo Starr, and it's like I'm going to wow. tour the world. Uh, he just got in the directing gig. He worked on it for like maybe a month or something, and he's like, you know, what can you do? Yeah, uh, kind <laughs> of so, hard pressed
0: to turn that down.
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I said put me in, and I made it work. And you know, sometimes it was weird hours, and sometimes it was for a long time. It was uh, not the not the pay you would expect for that, but. Uh, You know, uh, I just, you know, gave it my all and tried to bring a new approach to things and uh, pull people in. And um, I really had fun uh, with the mix element of it, Mm -hmm. working with the mix engineers and like with the, you know, so when you're directing, like not only are you, you know, you get to weigh in on the scripts or, you know, if something doesn't work, you have to rewrite it. Right. If you have another idea, you can or, or whatever, you know, and then you sit in on the mixes and you can kind of direct things in that way and work with the engineers and try to get cool new approaches to things and you know make their lives miserable basically because you're like "Well, if you tried this <laughs> <laughs> i've got another crazy idea that might work uh so anyway you yeah, know, i just like really just tried to do as much as i could when i could absolutely and uh whenever an opportunity came up you know i've always kind of fancied myself adaptable right uh which is like you just kind of have to be i think oh like, yeah there's no way I mean, it's adapt or die, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, that's pretty much um, everyday
2: life. Yeah, you know, you can't really count on, you know, you can't count on everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Going your way or, you know, or or staying the same, you know? So, you know, pretty much any opportunity that I saw, I would try to go for. And, you know, here I am, uh, 19 years later, uh, working at home. Absolutely. You know, doing scripts and doing some voice acting and some, Conventions and stuff, and I yep. um, believe uh, you know I'd get thrown in the booth every once in a while because engineers would kind of do that. I didn't right. like to cast myself much. Should have. I to give myself more practice, but you know, uh, you know, just like I don't know, I just try to be open and just try to uh, work as hard as I could and do it in a smart way, Absolutely. or at least in fun or interesting way, yeah, or what I thought might be, you know, that right,
3: right.
0: And I think, I think one of the key words you've said there a couple of times is fun. And I mean, like, as you, as you became that utility player where you kept trying to take on responsibilities or as many tasks as you could, and like new programs are coming out for audio software, you know, these people are coming to you with these new ideas or these crazy new ways to do something. Did you ever find it hard in that time to maybe stop and realize I might've taken on too much on my plate and say, I'm full with what I've got or did you just keep trying to add on more and more and just keep trying to find that way to make it work?
2: Well, uh, I mean, yes and no, you know, it all, you know, there was times of both, but there was a time where the company got bought by an outside, uh, group, you know, I've, I've been through a couple of different owners. Yeah. Uh, Funovation, Um, and, uh, we, that were on, um, salary or hourly at that time all got moved to contract oh so it's like surprise you're on contract now we have new owners they want this and uh so what that meant is that now i could try to get more voice acting and get you know they it was it was hard to get a lot of hours or good pay or whatever if yeah you were an employee doing it back then um unless you were you know came in that way anyway, and writing and stuff. And like, you know, so I could, you were kind of allowed to do everything you wanted because they, they weren't so uh, concerned about kind of, this is your job, this is their job, this is his job, this is her job, right? You mm-hmm. know, it's like, it was kind of like a free for all in a way. Yeah. So uh, I approached uh, people about writing um, because, you know, I knew the people who hired that and, you know, about getting in, doing uh, bits or voice acting uh parts or whatever and, i mean and then from that point it was just like churn 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 and that was like only for like two years or something but a year and a half something it wasn't really that long because the company got bought so yeah by somebody else uh so so that changed uh but you know like that opportunity was there and I just really had to take it. That's the time where I was able to buy a house and do other stuff like that. You know, I'd gotten married a couple years before. So, you know, we were hitting those things and yeah, that was my time to try to ramp it up a little bit.
0: Absolutely. Instead
2: of being like depressed about it, you know, that, Oh, you know, this is gone or whatever. Like, well, now I've got this opportunity.
0: Right. And I love how you look at it through, The positive mindset, as opposed to, you know, the human, the natural human pessimistic mindset of, I don't like this change. I don't know what's going to come next. Whereas you're looking at it as, man, look at all these new opportunities that are here. Why not, you know, jump in?
2: I mean, you know, don't believe that it just started that way. Oh, yeah. You know, at first it was like, oh, shit. You know, like, what am I going to do? And it's like, well, okay. Me and uh, my wife kind of brainstormed on stuff. And that was what it was, there was opportunity there. And if I could, think about the negative side of it or, you know, if I could get around that or mm-hmm. be flexible or, you know, the opportunity was there. So.
0: Absolutely. Um,
2: and, you know, like I thought I could do more and I was, you know, it was up to me to prove it. Cause no one else was going to like wait around for it or, you know, you know what I mean? You, like, you're the, you know, there's a lot of situations that can prevent you from doing, you know, what you want to do. And, you know, life has varying degrees of difficulty for each person who does it, who's alive yep. right? and, um, I was able to to take the opportunity, you know, because I was, you know, through my upbringing or whatever, you know, whatever factors had led me to that point. I was it. I was able to do that. So
0: absolutely. And then jumping ahead a little bit, too, um, because it's it's come up in the conversation already. As things changed in the world around us back in 2020 with COVID and the shutdown started happening and a lot of, you know, voice actors and engineers and everybody had to start working from home did you feel like that same kind of mindset helped you adapt to that situation or what was that like for you? Because I know there was a video that went out where like several Funimation voice actors were shown like with the equipment that they were sent and getting their own like home setup going. What was that like on your
2: end? Uh, Man, it was, uh, well, okay. It was, you know, it's a mixed bag, like everything, but
3: Mm -hmm. um, uh,
2: at that point I had been a full-time writer for, um, I don't know year and a half or year and something something and um uh part of being a contract writers you do all that stuff at home so I was kind of used to doing right. that work at home right uh, uh as far as my full-time my 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 gig mm-hmm. my main gig goes i was used to doing that um uh and even you know they had us you know i was working in an office i had my, uh, office mates, uh, Aaron Dismuke is my first office mate, which is funny because like I first met him when he was like nine or 10. Oh, wow. You know, uh, you know, <laughs> and it's like, I don't know if this is great, that you know, someone that is, you know, uh, 20, 20 years younger than me is, you know, we're in the same position or, or not, but you know, Hey, uh,
3: Here we are, uh,
2: and yeah, yeah. And then worked with him for a while and I'd worked with, uh, Jared Green was a good friend of mine. and. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh uh we had alternating days where we worked from home because so many writers had come from they were always at home and then coming to the office was a big kind of step for them right and um but so you know that was a little easy that was that part was kind of easy you know the the thing that you know that you don't really think about is just having maybe like a spontaneous conversation with somebody besides uh, you know for me for besides uh, my wife and my dogs and cats and stuff you know like, yeah and you know kind of being in the loop of things but man you know I tell you what um, the technical aspect was a real challenge uh, of what you know they did with you when know, they sit out all these iPads and mics and
3: mm-hmm. they're like
2: we're gonna try this and like I you know my hobby or my education was you know working on audio My work experience was working on audio and DAWs, digital audio workstations. My hobby is making music and digital audio workstations and having fun with that. And and like, I felt like I didn't know what was going on with this, with how to do this. I felt like I was doing it all over again. And it was uh, more of a challenge. And, you know, you're going over a read with somebody or someone, the director's talking to you and they can't hear anything besides what you're doing live. Right, so they can't say, "Let's listen back to that and see how that worked." It's like, "How do you think it worked?" I don't know. I think it's okay. Like, I don't know. You, do you want my honest opinion, or do you want, or do you want what gets us to the next line? Right, right. <laughs> you know? Oh man, that's a dangerous question to ask a voice actor, as you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, what did you think of that? Like, Jeez. very few people are like, "That was amazing." Let's move on.
3: You yeah. Know?
2: There's always like, oh, "I could do it better."
0: You We're know? our own um, worst critics.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Some. Uh, there are some people that, that are not, that they're a rare breed. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, I don't know. I felt like I was starting from square one a little bit and um, it was difficult and it was kind of, it was pretty humbling. And um, you know, um, and so I was, you know, voice acting from home. Uh, uh-huh. Heather, my wife was also voice acting from home. Uh, she got a bigger role and that was difficult because it was like, you know, having to learn all the audio stuff. And I think that was a big challenge for a lot of people. And oh, so yeah. now, uh, luckily, uh, I had another mic and an interface that I could use to do source connect. We, we do source connect now, which is, it gives the, it's so much better. The engineers can hear you, they can capture your audio, they can edit your audio, they can be involved because, you know, um, when you're just hearing somebody's live take, like you don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and like you don't know if it peaks, you don't know if it, whatever. You know, um, so you know they were kind of bored. The directors are frustrated. The actors are frustrated. Another video was all like, "We're just doing our best and having a grand old time," but yeah. it was not easy. Oh yeah, and it was a big investment, and I think a lot of people kind of got beat up by it, and some people really thrived, and you know, under. But I mean, I, it's understandable. I was so glad that that was an option. Uh, because, you know, no one knew what was going on and, you know, Gary, right. kind of and you don't want to like, you know, you don't want to get sick. You don't want to get anyone else sick.
3: Right. Know?
0: And I know during that time too, like another, another guy I was fortunate to, uh, to study under, you know, Sonny Strait, he actually mm-hmm. moved out of Texas. So I think he yeah. took full advantage of that now. Like, and I, I've seen posts like, uh, you know, from Mike or from other friends around the area that have worked at Funimation. Where they're going into the studio now, like, do you see that it's ever going to go back to a full time in studio, or now that we have this opportunity where people may have a better home setup, do you see that it's going to be a necessity to actually be in studio or be in Dallas in the Fort Worth area for that?
2: Well, you know, it's like the uh, the landscape has just completely changed. Oh yeah, and like I don't know, I don't know if we were reminiscing, but you know, sometimes me and uh, Rager will talk. Like at the end of our classes, you
3: know, it mm-hmm.
2: was a little loose or loopy or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the landscape is just totally different now. Like there, there is such a wider, uh, group of people to pull from.
0: Absolutely. Um,
2: there's people who like, you know, remote sessions used to be very rare and they were not encouraged. You know, we would fly people in and like, you know, working on Fairy Tale, working with Todd and, um share me after they moved you know or anyone else who was like a guest star you know whatever Mm -hmm. you know they'd fly in somebody put them up or whatever and we'd record like all day or all week or whatever and get as much done as possible um and remote sessions were just really no one's preferred method of doing it right at least no one who could make any real decisions about things you know
0: Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to take a quick pause for a word from the Give Me Back My Podcast Network.
1: Hey guys, this is Wolfie D. from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color, with Wolfie D., every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famer on the show with us. Every Monday at noon, Live and in Color, with Wolfie D. All right, let's hop
0: right back into this awesome interview.
2: We had a couple of studios that we worked with in that way. And then all that stuff just opened up. And uh so there's a lot more uh people in the game. There's a lot more competition and there's um uh, there's a certain kind of exoticism, I think, that you know, people uh want to work with people from LA, you know, LA's the big, you know, oh yeah, entertainment mecca. So they're like, oh, this person and so you're competing with people, you know, it's like you do an audition and you're like, man, I kind of kinda killed that. You know, let's see what happens. And then it's like somebody who's like you've heard of. It's like,
3: yeah, it's
2: like, oh, well, at least I don't feel bad about.
0: Yeah, I see why they went with that person. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So in a way, you know, it's it's you know, it's a mixed bag. And I imagine for a director. Well, also for a director, since the since the pool is so wide, they make it hundreds of auditions on something. Oh, yeah. And still have maybe a day or two to kind of make their decisions. So, you know, they always say first impressions, you know, and like making demos or making whatever, like you got to hook somebody from the, from the first sound out of your mouth,
3: Mm -hmm. you know, it
2: is that much harder, but you know, I know there will be more in-person sessions. Uh, We had our last sessions in our old building. We've moved buildings yet again. And uh, right before it's kind of, Sad, but right before the the pandemic, there you know we were going to move, and there's all these plans. And we're going to design it from the, you know, floor plan, and it was going to be more of it wasn't. It's a place that was meant to do what we're going to do, and not like oh, here's this building. We'll just put some booths in it and blah blah. Yeah, know?
0: we won't have to retrofit. And, it. It's already set up for it.
2: Yeah, yeah. They had this blank canvas, right? You know, a, just a gallery installation, and you know the the building was there. Their you know playground and it was in this cool location, and you know, and then it's like nope, you're asked to stay in your stay staying at home oh. all year, and uh we'll try to you know I, I don't know uh it's it's interesting the timing of that, but um, yeah I, you know I think if people I think it will be more of a thing, and some people still go up to the studio because they they don't want to do that stuff they don't want to be responsible for their engineer right set up side and they're uh, you know a a makeshift you know i've got the same uh moving blankets like you do Mm -hmm. you know set up in a corner of one of my uh one of my rooms and uh uh you know they want all their space we have a we have a small house you know like it's nice to not have to worry about that side of it and um you know to get that clean to get that uniform sound yes you know if if every show if every character is recorded in a room of the same type of dimensions with the same type of uh, soundproofing and the same uh, interface, the same preamp, the same, you know, Neumann TLM 103, like your, your, your stuff sounds uniform. It's easier for the mixers. They don't have to figure out what everyone's particular noise floor is and say, well, this is Tyler. He's got, you know, this, he lives near the airport. You know, I mean, you know, things that they had, that the, that the people after us have to deal with now, people Mm -hmm. before us and the people after us. So I think, you know, I can see the drive to try to bring it back in house, but at the same time, if someone's got a great setup at home and they're great and they're good and you like working with them and, you know. Or you want to work with somebody new and it's Lynn from, from Tennessee that you're going to, you know, you're going to work with him and you can. Right. You know, before you would have to, like, drive to uh, Flower Mound or Fort Worth mm-hmm. or everywhere, you know, Which, or live here.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, that's, and
2: hope that you got something.
0: That's one of the crazy things. Like, it's so weird to say that in a time when the world was, like, in such a weird place, like, it was an opportunity that I normally wouldn't have had because as I started doing other voiceover classes, it was always, you've got to live in New York. You've got to live in, in Texas. You've got to live in California. You've got to live in one of these hot spots. Yeah. But like, because there's so many more opportunities now, like that's one of the reasons I'm trying to expand outside of what you can see here on the camera and have something like that. So that as those opportunities come, it's like, okay, we don't need him here. And he's, you know, five States away, but shit, he sounds like he's right here. Like let's, let's take advantage yeah. of that. Yeah. I
2: mean, if we have the, the, uh, underlying, you know, infrastructure, the internet, the recording capability, uh, even if you record it yourself and mail it in or send it in and mail it in, <laughs> old. Uh, even if you get, a, get on the dial up and, uh, oh, the studio, uh, do the ISDN, um, even if you, you know, s- record it yourself and send it in or whatever, uh, there's more opportunity there but there's more opportunity for a lot of people
0: absolutely and,
2: uh, sometimes the advantage is either you know space time or money or gear you know mm-hmm. it all kind of goes together how you want to spend you want to spend your can you can you buy the badass you know uh, mic uh, can you buy the sweet preamp can you get the you know the studio bricks or whatever like not a lot of people can so there's still like there's there's still those kind of things and like you know uh geographically you know for people that could drive to the studio that wasn't an issue you know as long as like you know some some people got a lot of work because they lived in the in the in the same neighborhood basically right so someone's like oh you know so and so can't come in today and we'll see what you know the Steve is doing, you know, he might come in and give us some bits. And Steve's, hey man, he's ready to party. He'll come over and scream for an hour. Or whatever. Right, right. It's great. You know? Where you need me? Uh, it's different. I think uh the whole, like, kind of uh, technology boom uh, associated with this has been interesting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we talked about the pandemic and, like, kind of some stuff that uh, to keep you occupied, or your or sanity or whatever i had been playing with these guys uh this band odellatron and we were just new even though i would played with some of the guys everyone's old everybody's in their 40s i think the baby of the band is maybe 42 now <laughs> but we went from you know practicing every week uh, hanging out and blah, blah blah and writing music or you know working on stuff to you know we, we weren't around each other for all year you know yeah besides like if you can just kind of get together you know everybody was very careful uh but we wanted to make a record and so we just did it all on the cloud and so last year we put out our third release oh nice our fourth release that was 52 songs wow all uh recorded uh, either at our space to where we could record drums. We had, you know, drum set up, some mics and stuff, and, mm-hmm. uh, guitar cabs or whatever. And people, we had seven people in the band. We had like 20 people on the album. Wow. And you could tap your friends to do, you know, to to sit in on something or they could throw some songs in or or whatever. That's how it got so big.
0: That's yeah, that absolutely. That's got so
2: big. And it's me and the other guy just split uh, production duties, or me and one of the other guys split production duties.
0: Right, and, uh, right.
2: It was very interesting because it was such a it was a weird kind of collaborative effort and like it was more of a time investment than like oh yeah most other projects have ever been involved in.
0: Absolutely. Now is there a link to where people can check that out?
2: Uh yeah, you can find us on Spotify, of course. But Perfect. the cool people find us on uh Bandcamp.
0: Well, I'll make sure we have show. uh we have links to that in the show notes here so everybody yeah. can check that out.
2: Bandcamp is where artists get paid. Nice Spotify. You have to get I don't know, like a million streams to get like like three hundred dollars or something. we we'll, I mean, uh, just insane.
0: We'll find out who the cool kids are when this is when this is all <laughs> said and done.
2: Uh, but you know that was uh, that was a big uh, part of the, like my pandemic uh, year. And, You know, of course, like you know, it's just me and uh, Heather, my wife here. Mm-hmm. So we we got closer during that time and you know, we've got our animals here. And
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I saw the, uh, the pup in the background there.
2: We cooked a lot. I learned how to do stuff and, you know, like played a lot of video games.
0: Absolutely.
2: And she's, uh, kind enough to let me use the living room TV to play games. And, <laughs> but, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, the last time I was at my office, you know, the, I left work, uh, March thirteenth, twenty
3: twenty,
2: and like only went back for like one or two recording sessions wow. and to like clean out my desk. Whew.
0: Man, that's has to pick up a...
2: some sound panels because they gave us some of the nice sound panels when they started to <laughs> take down the booths. So. That's
0: got to be such a strange feeling, though.
2: Yeah, yeah, because you know a lot of time in that in that room. You know, I was in Studio A mm-hmm. for a long time there, and you know, a lot of a lot of stuff went down there. A lot of uh, laughter, a lot of tears. You know, we. You know, you really go through stuff. And like I said, you know, having the uh, emotional evo- uh, involvement in uh, your your work, your product, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things involved, you know, like with, you know, with any kind of thing that you're involved in. But, mm-hmm. you know, you just there's so many uh, memories and stuff involved there. and It's just really uh, it's kind of surreal uh, to clean it out uh, like that. But
0: Absolutely. That's where we're at. So. While we're on the theme of surreal here, um, I know, like you said, you got into voice acting a little bit later after, you know, after the ADR director, the engineering, all that fun stuff. I've seen, you know, like as we follow each other on social media, you've started traveling again. You've started doing cons. You even uh, one of your characters has its own Funko Pop now. So what is like because that's something that like I am like aspiring to get to like that's bucket list stuff right there. Yeah what is that like having your own figure and then getting to have these experiences with fans at these conventions around the country?
2: It's pretty awesome. I mean, you know, we, uh, you know, I had done some cons and like we do like, I don't know, Heather and I do, uh, usually like one or two cons a year.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And we tend to kind of go back to the same places and we found, we've met some really amazing people. And like, we kind of met like, a you know, people we're going to know our entire lives, you know, that we see every year. And like, it's so, you know, yeah. you you get to extend your family, kind of like the fairy tale guild way, you know. Mm-hmm. You get to build your, your tribe a little bit, and you you know, um and meet a lot of interesting people and see what they, you know, what, what they bring to the table, um or what their take is or just meet people that you wouldn't just run into. Um but uh yeah, the punko pop and all stuff is kind of crazy. Uh, you know, I haven't spent a lot of time playing that character. He's like just he's got a really cool design. He's got a cool uh i mean he's cool he's a cool character he's a yeah. killer whale you know he's the tough love guy he comes in and just you know busts everybody's ass and tells <laughs> them they need to do better because he believes in them right you know like you know he, you don't want to disappoint him you know even though they you know they'll eventually deserve you know all this kind of tough love stuff which is a, really my style of uh inspo you know <laughs> mm-hmm. how I feel like you know like with what talk to my actors or whatever, you know, with them like, you know, berate them into doing a good job. If right. only, you know, you can bust someone's uh, hump a little bit. But,
3: yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> you know, some people really uh, don't like that. Uh, but some people do. And uh, so anyway, uh, having that character has been very interesting because he's a big favorite, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, people love him, and it's a lot of fun to play, and, you know, there's a little bit of uh, pitch, voice manipulations, and, you know, some movie magic on there and I just try right. to get you know low and commanding I'm, I'm thinking of this particular uh uh you know I kind of pl- I have to place my voice in a lower in a lower place and kind of just be very stern yeah and uh you know start to yell and you know all that kind of stuff but like having the pop was just like out of left field with my friend uh or actually you know I, a person I met through you know a, like a, a fan group this guy Charlie he uh just he sends me a message and he's like, Oh, you know, you're going to have a pop coming out. And I'm like, Oh, or he said, he has, what do you think about these? And I was like, Oh, some people are into them. You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a huge, like collector of that kind of stuff. So, right. You know, it's, you know, it's cool and whatever. And he's like, well, you've got some, you've got one coming up. I'm like, you know, he sends me the information and he's like, it's a limited edition, but you know, we can, Even you know, better. can probably find some. And, uh, I had, uh, like the day it came out like and it was limited edition and like something like i had to take the cat to the vet we've had all these animal problems this last year but same here uh, same here cat to the vet yeah i know you uh you had some some sleepless nights over oh yes yeah. oh yeah uh, so you know i go there and take the cat to the vet you know it's just like a, a day like that and i'm like okay well this is cool i don't even understand the whole funko thing like i just i don't know uh I'd never had a big character like that. Um, And uh, so I go to the Hot Topic, which is the only place you could buy it in person. Mm -hmm. And like only in that day. And like it came out, like the store opened at 11. And I got there like at 1130. And they're like, we're all sold out. It's gone. I was like, oh, can you check other stores? And they're like, "Um, it's not anywhere within a hundred mile radius. You know, like you you missed it. And I was like, oh, man, that's my character. And they're like, oh, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't try it for pity, but I think I got a little extra pity. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and so Charlie, my, my, my buddy Charlie Ford was like, uh, Well, uh, that's fine because I got an extra one. He sends me, you know, he sends it to me, which is just amazing. Absolutely. Um, and then I start to see them in the wild and i start to see them online and people are already selling like the day they came out people are already selling them for like 80 bucks or whatever wow. i did recently find a signed one that i signed like a month ago at my first event like that i've done cons you know yeah. which is like usually you go and you talk about the thing and then you do autographs for like a little bit and mm-hmm. you know whatever but like there's these kind of fan events or these toy fairs or it's a different thing it's not it's not the same like let's talk it let's have a panel and blah, blah blah it's like let's sign some stuff and let's sell some autographs and, yeah uh, that's just so new for me because um like like we were like late to the print like getting prints and stuff and like i don't know like it's just weird because like my aesthetic like coming from like that punk indie background is like you didn't like sell i don't know it's like you didn't sell stuff as much and yeah uh you didn't like i don't know it was very hard to make money off of your art or your, uh, like my old band, the pointy shoe factory. Uh, we sold songs to the Dragon Ball Z Broly movie back in the day. And that was like the wow. most I'd ever made off of my art. Right. No you know,
3: joke. Three wow. songs,
2: three songs to that movie. And it was you know amazing. and It probably broke us up because we fought over the, who, you know, got what or whatever. Right. right. <laughs> Some stupid like that. Uh, but, uh, You know, selling was just like, it's just kind of a foreign thing to me, but like people, you know, it brings them joy. You buy, you know, someone gets a Funko, someone signs it, it's automatically like worth more money. They get the connection, you get to meet people. It's like been pretty cool. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's not, you know, it's like, it's, it's interesting. And, uh, you know, it makes you feel really kind of cool.
0: Absolutely. You know?
2: And so now, like this past week, I was trying to find, like, uh, you know, because they're hard to get. So I was trying to find them online or whatever. And so I've got a small collection that I have of my own, little, uh, you know, a couple dozen pops or whatever.
0: Right, right.
2: And it's like, this is a limited edition thing. You know, I've got a convention agent. She's like, you better, you know, ride this while you can because you limited edition. They close the vault, blah, blah and uh it's like, all right, let's go, you know, like I can do that, and uh absolutely it's like I was very fortunate uh to get this character, yeah. and uh you know i am very very grateful to Colleen for casting me in it
3: because yeah. uh,
2: i don't i don't even I don't even know how it happened, but hey, there we are uh uh you know, of course, I auditioned for you know things during the course of the show, oh, yeah, but, you know that's where I ended up and Happy to to do that, and I don't know. It's just another opportunity to meet people. Absolutely, um, it's interesting. Um, you know, we talk about meeting people that, uh, and I have to mention my my buddy uh, William, who's uh, who's a Brazilian dub actor.
3: Okay, and wow. uh,
2: Brazilians consume a lot of American and other. You know, they consume a lot of entertainment from uh, from elsewhere. So their voice actors get a lot of different kinds of work you know, they, right. you know the, the anime, the cartoons to get the movies blah blah you know and like someone is the narrator and show but they also maybe play al pacino in every movie you know it's like
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's a big thing and so um you know i've made connections with people you know in different countries and uh he was working on his own um he was trying to get rights and licensing and something for fairy tale for his own version and we talked about it we talked shop a bunch and you know messaging and talking online and on the phone and blah blah and uh lo and behold he's you know two years later he's directing wow his own episodes of brazilian uh fairy tale and Man.
3: uh
2: i got to do a cameo in one of them
0: even better
2: yeah that's awesome and uh i record it from home because they're doing the same thing that we are yeah you know uh But it's just been interesting to get someone else's, uh, you know, take who's coming from a different uh, background.
0: Absolutely. He has a lot of
2: uh, very useful information and, um, you know, they uh, consume a lot of American media and a lot of, they they know so much about anime and actors and like, it's just really, really insane. And, you know, he's in My Hero Academia there and he's in, you know, like Full Metal and you did Cowboy Bebop and, you know, it's like it's just kind of shows that universality of things. Absolutely. Know? I mean, obviously this stuff is from Japan, a lot of the stuff that we work on, mm-hmm. just, and now there's more like Chinese stuff, but you know, I've just found that there's been opportunities to meet people and to connect with people from different walks of life. And I know it's been interesting. And you know, of course, like going to cons and, you know, signing stuff is like, it's this weird thing that I just didn't I didn't really see myself doing. Yeah. I didn't know, you know, I was always behind the scenes person, you know, I, even like in the, you know, high school drama, you know, like I liked running sound and lights and stuff like that. Bands. I was usually the drummer, although I was kind of a showy drummer. But
3: Right.
0: Right. Uh, Get a little spotlight on you.
2: <laughs> sometimes setting up, you know, for the other people. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, I try to be humble about everything. And, you know, Absolutely. Kind of yeah. And what I think I've, I've found uh, I've struggled with in that regard, and I think maybe a lot of people do that. It's it's, not, it's something like imposter syndrome, but not quite imposter syndrome, where you're just like, you try to be so humble or try to be, keep things, you know, in perspective that you, you have a hard time celebrating your victory.
3: Yes. Or your,
2: because you don't want to be, you don't want to be, a you know, you don't want to be gauche about it. Or you don't want to be. Yeah. I
0: I get that because I'm right there with you. You want to celebrate yourself, but again, you don't want to come off the wrong way about it. And yeah, it sucks because sometimes we get in our own way about that because something big does happen and we should celebrate it. But we just turn around and downplay it to whoever's listening. And I don't know how to explain
2: that. Yeah, so I mean, I guess like, you know, working in an entertainment field, there's like sometimes the line between like, you know, talking about your craft or whatever, doing your thing is like you know, there's like a, I don't know, I don't want to like brag about things. I know that I've been lucky and I was fortunate in a lot of ways and, you know, it wasn't just all grit or whatever. You yeah. Know what I mean, you know, staying grounded, I think sometimes like, I don't know, it's weird because you don't want to be the opposite unless you're just really, really that good. Right. <laughs> right. Know, like, it's a rare person that can like, you know, just be just up their own, uh, you know, up their own butt about everything and, you know, like really, you know, still and deserve it or whatever. But, I don't want to. I don't know. I think that's the thing that's been that's been uh, the thing that I've had to grapple with, or whatever.
0: I understand like, it.
2: And you know, social media. You know, you don't want to just like talk about like go check me out. I'm doing this, but like, it kind of cool. Like my mom yeah. thinks it's cool. You know, my aunt loves it. You know, like I mean, that kind of stuff. Like friends from high school. The, yeah, the, the few that I see or whatever.
0: And I mean, on top to. of that, on top of that too, you're having fun and you also get to share these experiences with your wife too. Like yeah. how much cooler can it get?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, uh, she recently started getting some contract scripts and, you know, she'd studied writing in uh, school and she was a very gifted writer. And so being able to talk to her about that kind of stuff and, uh, get her advice for years and her input for years on my stuff. And then, you know, now here, here we are helping each other out and, all of this does mean, and putting yourself out there means, like, so much stuff is work-related. Mm-hmm. You know, your conversations are work-related. You're, you're, you know, looking on the internet is work-related. Yep. Like, you know, even, like, I was watching Squid Game, right? You know, finally got around to watch Squid Game. <laughs> loved it. But, like, I started watching the dub, and, like, I felt like I didn't, like, clock out of work until I yeah. started watching the dub. And the dub's fine. I got no problem with it. But like, you know, for the longest time, like my favorite movie to watch was The artist, uh, silent movie, mm-hmm. you know, so there was no dialogue. There was no like There's nothing that reminded me of my that I could pick apart the same way because.
0: Right, right.
2: Uh, part of my job has been critiquing, you know, and like trying to make things better or whatever. And I, I feel like I'm constantly trying to deconstruct something. So taking myself out of that, it can be difficult sometimes. I
0: understand it. I mean, like you said, for 19 years at this point too, like that's been your work. And like you said, there were those times where you'd work Monday through Friday, then you do scripts on the weekends. So yeah. it, it when you get into that kind of routine, it's very hard to shut that switch off. I get it.
2: Yeah. When I, when I first started doing my audio cleanup, all the pops and clicks and everything, I couldn't listen to like, I couldn't, I couldn't have listened to this podcast. Yeah p r or anything because I'm like listening to their mouth sounds and you know yeah I mean like it's it's a weird it's a weird it's a weird kind of thing but, and it's uh, it's
0: one of those become... things you definitely you're not aware of it until you put on a pair of these headphones or you get or you start listening to the things that the mics pick up on because you like you'll talk and before I started doing any of this, I never noticed mouth clicks, never noticed any of it but then it's like oh yeah there it is again, or you yeah. know whatever it is, it's just like,
2: ah, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, so you know part of having like a kind of cool creative job that is interesting like that like is it tends to it tends to overflow quite a bit, mhm-, you know, even playing games, you know it's like you'll you hear somebody you recognize or whatever, um you know and sometimes and that, that can be awesome, especially if you don't recognize them, you see them in the credits like. You know, playing, oh, that's them, you know, or yeah, like I know that's Patrick Sykes in there, or like, uh, I was playing Far Cry 5, and one of the guns for hire is the was played by uh Gabe Kunda. It was like I saw it in the credits, and I'm like, well, that guy, like, well, I could hire him in real life, you know, I was driving right. at the time. I'm like, you know, like that was a that was like a very strange crossover, but um, <laughs> uh, still like the work was still involved. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's like,, yeah, I could hire him i r l. you know not just in the game he's not he's already been paid for this <laughs> <You yeah.
0: know? laughs> I get it well, man, like this has been an awesome and very insightful conversation, and I can't believe it's already been over an hour like that oh, that okay. blows I'm my sorry. mind how quickly this yeah. has gone by, yeah. like there's so much more we could get into, but I know you've got things to do, and I don't want to keep you for too much longer yeah. so i'm just I'm grateful for the time you've shared here tonight. But before we, uh, you know, before we let you get back to the world here and the things you got to do, we'll go ahead and get into our our main event segment here and we'll flip Uh the roles and I'll, you know, I'll be the one getting grilled a little bit here. So, again, I don't know what these questions are ahead of time. I don't know where, if they're going to come from left field, right field, whatever it's going to be. These are all coming out of straight out of Tyler's brain. So I'm at his mercy at this point.
2: All right. Well, I know you're an animal guy, you're yes, animal sir. That guy, see, so you're you're uh, so if you could be reincarnated as a cat or dog, which one? Whoa, speaking of dogs, man. Uh, which one would you be?
0: There's pros and cons for both, yeah. but uh, I think I would have to be man, I would probably, as much as I love dogs, I would say a cat. Because yeah. then I can just, I can shut myself away wherever I want and I can actually get some restful sleep. So yeah. I think that's going to be my thing right there.
2: Yeah, they definitely have things on their terms.
0: Yes, very much so.
2: Dogs <laughs> have to be more available. Yes. Know? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, all right, so here's another just kind of either or, like uh, we were having this conversation uh, uh about, around Thanksgiving, uh which we just celebrated for the people in the future, yep uh what do you, are you more of a pumpkin or pecan pie man?
0: oh man, it's definitely gonna be pecan. I am not a fan yeah. of pumpkin anything unless we're carving' them.
2: all right, okay, see, we just had that we just came across that uh we decided our family favorite was pumpkin, oh no, but I also like to, to like smoke pumpkins now because like, I've gotta get really good smoking stuff over oh, nice the pandemic um,
0: we have to rethink our okay. stance there. so.
2: You've got a a a very physical life outside of your uh, vocal life. Yes, sir. Um, well, like what is out of all the moments like you had like wrestling being in the ring, what is like the moment like where you like you felt like the most like badass?
0: Man, um there are actually two and uh-huh. it it took a while for one of them to actually happen. I'll start with the first one. Um as weird as this may sound and this is going to sound like Completely absurd to anybody that's not actually in it, but I was a for most of my career, I was the bad guy. that's what I thrived on because it's easier to make these people hate me than it was to make them like me uh the heel, this, right? yes, the heel um yeah. this was actually my last show at this place down in Columbia, Tennessee. It was an old auction house that got converted into into a building to hold a show so The end of the show has this big brawl, like, where all the wrestlers come out, the good guys one side, bad guys other side. Bad guys get cleared out of the ring. There's this uh, really large, really fat guy that's uh, behind this just little string connected to, like, little cement, like, cigarette butt stands and cement, you know, like, for security ropes. No barriers. He starts mouthing off to me, so... I'm not going to punch him, but I rear back just to like get him out of my face. And he stumbles back and he falls. So everybody stops and looks. I have the spotlight on me. I laugh at him. I turn around yeah. to walk off. He comes behind me and punches me in the head. And, um, you know, another wrestler gets on him before I turn around, yeah. he gets broken off. He breaks through security and comes at me. And I was able to just grab this guy by the head and soccer pun him. And, then they had to escort me out, so I'm like, "This is some Roddy Piper shit. Like this is stuff yeah. you don't hear about now." So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's that's probably my it's ultimate one, yeah. yeah. But then uh, the other was actually in a match, and it was just, um, it was where things actually clicked for me, so to speak. Like it, I stopped feeling so stiff and trying to think three moves ahead. I was in a match with a guy down in McMinnville, Tennessee, and. He was just like he was one of those uh, almost like your character where it's a tough love type of thing where we were friends behind the scenes. But he was always trying to break me out of my shell. And I remember this was the day after my uncle died. So I was already in like a really weird headspace. Yeah, But uh, we just started going into the match and I don't really remember what caused it. But I was like, if I don't break back now and start turning this back in my favor, it's not going to go any differently. And the crowd's going to stop caring. So we did, and then, like, I just saw him smile as I gave him uh, this my first forearm back, and he's like, you know, he told me in the back afterwards, like, I was waiting for it, and it was about damn time you did it. So it's, like, those two moments where it's, like, man, I feel like I, I belong in something now, or it makes sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you were in it. Like, as yeah. in it as you could be. Absolutely. Yeah. And, like, playing your, being your character. Yes the heel or whatever. I always hear people talking about the heel turn and it's a phrase that people use. that don't think they know what it means. No,
0: most, most people don't, but I mean like, again, it's one of those things where when they finally understand it and I've referenced it on here several times with my, my final English paper, my junior year, we're talking about wrestling as an art form and a performance more than, you know, crass and crude entertainment. Like having that kind of explanation for what a heel actually does and how they, kind of pull all the strings without people knowing it, like just being able to do that and have that control, like, man, there's no way to describe that feeling.
2: Yeah. It sounds fun. It sounds cathartic too. Yes, it
0: really is because you get away with saying things you might think. And you know, if people try to (laughs) boo you, it just makes the guy that you're about to have a match with, have have that much easier of a night. (laughs)
2: Yeah. 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 Make his job easier. Absolutely. Uh, So, uh, what do you think is the there's like a besides like maybe like the take away like the uh the remote, like take away the last year's like kind of experience, like uh why do you think voice acting is becoming more popular? It seems like the more I, I see more people getting into it, is he like more interest in it? Like
0: that's hard for me to say. I know not too long after I uh inadvertently, you know, hung up the boots the first time in twenty eighteen. I started seeing these ads for uh for Steve Bloom's like online classes and webinars and he was offering with, you know, people that I grew up listening to, like Charlie Adler or whoever it may be. And that's what kind of piqued my interest. And then lo and behold, two houses down, I've got a, a you know, a voice actor that, you know, lives in my neighborhood. Yeah. But I think it's uh I think it's just like it started becoming more mainstream because I started finding, like after I saw that ad, I started seeing more people were into that, or I started becoming more aware of people that had, you know, like that maybe I wouldn't have been attuned to in the past. Like more people knew about it or were interested in it and, you know, had found ways to do it in Nashville or had met with somebody like a Joe Lesh. I hope I'm not mispronouncing his last name, but you know, like there were more people around it that I may not have been aware of. And I think like, people became more aware of these people outside of the major hubs. And yeah. that kind of gave them the the chance to think like, maybe I can do this. And then, you know, I know you said erase race the last year, but, you know, unfortunately COVID happened and yeah. it did kind of force the hand where people had more opportunities to maybe try and invest in that at home if they were serious.
2: Yeah, I mean, it definitely did ramp, ramp it up. But it seemed like before that, like there was like, there was more like behind it. I don't know, like, and it's weird for me, like to see like, you know, the, the younger People coming in, and it's like, yeah. oh, you're the like me and my you know uh freshman class or whatever at Funimation are the ones who like inspired them.
0: Yeah, i like, kinda, when you started, cool, that was different. my that was my peak fandom for everything, and it's like that yeah. was one of the reasons I did always want to do this. But before you know, like until after wrestling, I had no idea where to start.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that you you you. Put this, this is like what you're like almost your twentieth show.
0: Oh man, we're actually, uh, by the time this airs, we're going to be, gosh, I hate to say it, I've lost count, but we're going to be somewhere near episode 40 at this point. Wow. So yeah,
3: okay. we're
0: well, getting close uh, to, close to a full year here.
2: So what's your, what's your biggest, uh, what do you say is your biggest takeaway from it? What, what, what's what have you learned if I, you were to try to condense it?
0: I think the biggest thing, uh, and like, I kind of had a broad idea of what I wanted this podcast to be and. It's it's changed over time. I'm sure people have noticed that. But the biggest thing I've realized is that whether it's one of my friends who may not be a well-known actor or voice actor yet, somebody in your position or somebody that was in a position whether it was wrestling or, you know, voice acting that may not be at that level right now, like everybody is human and everybody has their struggles. So nobody has that perfect lifestyle and everybody has things that they deal with behind closed doors that they may not know how to address or feel comfortable with, but you know, it's just everybody has that thing that they're going through, and that yeah. everybody needs a support system, whether they are willing to admit that or not, because you can't bear everything on your own.
2: Yeah, that's that's kind of what I noticed listening to. Uh, that was my takeaway, like listening to some, some of your episodes. Like, people would talk about like how overcoming stuff or yep. things seem cool, you know, like you've heard of them or whatever, or you're gonna hear about them, but like they didn't, they would, they didn't just like. Pop into existence. Yeah, you know, there's like a story behind that, and there's, you know, people are are real, you know, mm-hmm. and like there's there's a lot more to them than than just what you see, yeah, you know, or what they show you.
0: It's that it's that overnight sensation that took twenty years to get there, but nobody knows yeah. about those twenty years leading up to it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting,
0: and it's a it's a very humbling thing when you learn that too. Like not only like as a fan, but then as you get to know them and you become friends, like man, like. I never knew, so, like, you went through this, like, that's amazing, like, the, and that you yeah. pulled yourself out of it, like, somebody listening is going to find some inspiration and some hope in that, too, and that's the awesome part of it.
2: Yeah, and, like, I think being, like, an interviewer and stuff is a is a definite, it's a real skill.
0: Absolutely. You know,
2: making people feel feel at ease, creating, like, kind of a, you know, safe rapport, you know, you're not going to, you know, if someone says they struggled with something, you're not going to say, like, you got a problem with that? Yeah. Like, you know, you know, it's usually like I did too, you know? Like, Absolutely. Like, that kind of commonality is like, is, uh, is really what, you know, what, what pulls us together despite, you know, our differences on, on, uh, on certain things. You know, yeah. It's, there's a, there's a lot of things that kind of, uh, will pull us together. And that's, you know, what meeting people from different walks of life and stuff. It's very interesting. Absolutely. It's more interesting than not. Yeah. You know, than not meeting anyone.
0: And I mean, half the time too, those stories and, you know, how they got to where they are now end up being a lot more fascinating than that high peak that everybody thinks is, uh, you know, is the interesting part. Like, yeah. when you find out the little bits and pieces and everything that put all that into place, like, that just makes it that much better of a bigger picture.
2: Yeah, seeing, like, what, you know, what it really takes, you know? Absolutely. Like, you know, if, like, if someone's trying for that, it's like, well, of course, you you heard so-and-so talk about it, and, like, it wasn't easy for them, and they're they're amazing, you know? Yeah. So... It's that perspective.
0: Absolutely. And that's something this has helped me, like doing these interviews has also helped me shift my perspective because I naturally tend to be a pessimist. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's definitely helped me embrace more of that positive outlook and, you know, find a, find a win in what a lot of people may look at as a loss. So it's definitely helped me in my personal life too. That's good. Absolutely. All right. Well, Man, was that five questions? I lost count.
2: I think that was five questions.
0: Beautiful. Well, man, like I said, this whole time has flown by. Like, I can't believe we're coming up on an hour and a half here. So, again, Uh, man, that's
2: that's me. Uh, Heather said it was going to be like this. Oh, dude,
0: you made my job easy
2: tonight. Like, (laughs) I,
0: I just I loved hearing the story because, like, I was saying, all this was like my peak fandom and what really reeled me in. So, hearing you know from the beginning into all of what's going on now, like, I loved hearing that. So, thank you for taking me on that ride.
2: Of course. Of course. And and I always like talking and I like giving workshops and stuff. It like, I'm the kind of person that doesn't write stuff down and doesn't take, uh, you know, I'm just kind of unorganized in that way. But like, you know, talking to someone, I can kind of, it helps me condense my thoughts. Yeah. You know, giving workshops, giving someone advice. I always think, man, I wish someone had told me that, or I wish I would tell myself that.
0: Absolutely. You know,
2: because I didn't think of it until I had to, you know, impart that knowledge to somebody else. Yep. So like I learn from each of those workshops that I do and I love doing them.
0: Absolutely. And I'm sure that's part of what keeps it fun right there, too, because every day's a learning experience.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah,
0: man, totally. I think that's a I think that's a perfect note to round it out on right there. So I can't think of a higher place to take it beyond that. So
3: that's life, brother.
0: That's it, man. So Tyler, <laughs> again, thank you for being so generous here tonight and making the time to uh to come on and tell your story and just, you know, talk a little shop with me. I really appreciate that. And guys, I appreciate y'all tuning in every week. I appreciate our sponsors, especially like Elise Bowman, who we mentioned during our conversation that is again sponsoring the show here this week. Thank her. If you're looking for some voiceover coaching, make sure you check her out. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media platforms. And we'll have links to all of Tyler's socials and his band work in the show notes. So if you guys want to check that out, be the cool kids and go over to Bandcamp and, you know, show a little support that way. Keep up with two
2: songs for ten
0: bucks. Can't be that. I mean, that's a <laughs> hell of a deal. And if you want to keep up with his upcoming con appearances and what he's got going on, feel free to give him a follow there as well. So follow Tyler. Follow the show whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're all over the place. If you're on uh, Spotify, find us there. Apple Podcasts, find us there. Leave a five star review. Tell me what you like. I'm open. Tell me what you don't like. Find us on Google Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. So. Guys, thank you all for keeping this show afloat. Tyler, thank you for your time tonight. And guys, from the bottom of my heart, again, thank you all for tuning in. I can't wait to talk to you again next week when we have another awesome guest here on the show. Be good to each other until then. And go back in the archives and get caught up if you haven't already. We'll talk to you
1: next week. I know you hear me. Hi, I'm Will Harridge, and I'm an audio engineer. But you would not believe the amount of mediocre voice actors I get in on the daily. It's scary, honestly. I always want to recommend them to Elise Bowman, who's the best voice acting coach I know, but I'm always afraid I'm going to offend them and be out of a job. Thankfully, I send the best ones over to her anyway over at elisecoaches.com, and they keep coming back. Hi, I'm one of the mediocre talents that Will has to work with. And really, I'm thinking about looking up Elise myself. Go look at Elise Coaches today and start your career without ending mine. What he said.
0: The I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. We thank you for tuning in this week, and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.